Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you have created the heavens and the earth, and made us in your own image. Teach us to discern your hand in all your works, and your likeness in all your children. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit reigns supreme over all things, now and for ever. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, beginning at the fourth verse. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you shall eat of it you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The Gospel is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 22. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. 
A gale swept down on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up and rebuked to the wind and the raging waves. They ceased and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, Who then is this? that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Do you enjoy getting out on the water in some sort of craft? If nothing else, it can be a great way to get away from people. And on different occasions, Jesus certainly used boats to create some space away from the crowds when he needed it. When I was young, I used to enjoy racing sailing dinghies, and you have to expect some rough weather days. In fact, without any significant wind, it can all seem a bit tame. But I don't often think of boats as places to sleep on, even though I used to try, usually unsuccessfully, propped up against my backpack on the overnight ferries from Athens, which took us out to holiday on the Greek islands. So it makes me wonder what sort of boat this was that Jesus fell asleep on. Most artistic interpretations don't show anything nearing a modern day fishing boat with Rembrandt's image of an open wooden vessel not looking like anything offering much space to have a decent kip. The original painting was stolen from a Boston gallery in 1990 and has never been recovered. But take a look at it on this week's podcast and you can almost feel the spray of the crashing waves and hear the sails tearing. Rembrandt chose to include himself in the painting, staring back at us. It feels like he's humanity's representative, inviting us to find ourselves on the boat and contemplate what it means to us. You will also see Jesus, who looks distinctly unimpressed to have just been woken up, as well as one of the disciples throwing up over the side of the boat. There's a real sense of both humanity and divinity in Luke's account today. Jesus' exhaustion is wholly human and easily relatable, yet the same man calms raging waves. Here's a question for you. As a passenger on a long car journey, do you find that you're happy to fall asleep when certain people are driving, but feel the need to stay awake for others? Substitute a boat for the car and it's clear that Jesus is complimenting the disciples in charge of the vessel. It's obvious that the disciples trusting God is in focus Perhaps less obvious is the issue of Jesus' trust in the disciples. Surely he wouldn't have fallen asleep so easily if he thought those in charge were a bunch of novice sailors, unable to navigate whatever the weather threw at them. He trusted their skill and experience and felt safe in the fact that he was among people who loved him 
is of course a reflection about how we respond to the things that God has entrusted to us. As I sat by my office on the River Thames on Friday, the winds were gusting straight up the river to create a new alfresco experience at the O2 Arena, and white crested waves appeared. What a contrast with the early morning stillness as the sunlight glistened off the calm waters. The lectionary readings are neatly timed this week, as we all have recent experience of stormy weather and strong winds in particular. But then any experienced mountain walker or sailor knows how quickly conditions can change for the worse. It seems that the conditions Luke describes are bad enough for experienced fishermen to think there was a real chance of them all drowning. Water is coming on board, yet Jesus carries on snoozing away. Master, master, we are perishing, they say to him. Have you ever had the feeling that the most important, the most calamitous thing is about to happen, and yet it seems that others don't care? People fleeing their own perilous situation, whether it be a war-torn city or domestic violence, can often have a real sense of being on their own, and the indifference of others can make it even harder to bear. Yet there is a need for all of us to carry on with life, which need not mean that we're oblivious to all the problems and suffering around us. Foremost, there is a balance to be struck around living lives which are joyful and rewarding against making time and space to care for others. Planned commitment to benefit others, whilst extremely valuable, can be scheduled and form a routine part of our lives. But when a violent storm strikes out of nowhere, it often challenges our resourcefulness and our faith in ways we haven't been able to prepare for. There will be external storms, literally the weather we've just experienced, or the shock of someone dying, as well as internal emotional storms that may rear up from time to time, causing great anxiety and stress in ways not always apparent to those on the outside. The way in which we react to these often shows who we really are as people. We have to find resources and courage from deep within. The other question people are left asking themselves is, where is God in all this? It can sometimes feel like you've called the emergency services because your house is flooding on a Friday evening, the water is getting higher and higher, yet all you get is a recorded message. Our offices are now closed. Please try again on Monday morning after 9 o'clock a.m. In the meantime, you may wish to visit our website, which has useful information, including how to build a canoe out of your household furniture. Don't you care, God? I'm desperate, overwhelmed, frightened. Are you asleep on the job? 
when we meet here in church. We praise God with music and try to engage through thoughtful prayer and times of silence. But for each of us, there will also be a time to communicate urgently, desperately, maybe even angrily. This can't wait. I need you now, we may feel, as we cry out, Lord, help me. Bear in mind that the disciples had seen Jesus perform healing miracles, and yet maybe this still wasn't enough for them to truly know him as the Son of God. Our Genesis reading reinforces the fact that God really doesn't care what labels we use for ourselves, but wants us to know and celebrate our common humanity, not looking for differences, but understanding our role in relation to the rest of creation. He wants us to live in relationship with him as the ultimate creator, secure in his love for us. In karma times, should the disciples have been learning more from Jesus and building resources strong enough to cope when a storm hits? There's no easy answer to this, but it's certain that we should use time wisely when we're not in crisis to reflect and get to know God and all the good things he wants us to enjoy. It may ground us in his love in ways that will be enough to get us through life's storms. I recall Keith Blackburn, former vicar here at SEAL, telling me that there may be times when you'll have to cling on to your faith by your fingernails. What a bit like the disciples, desperately reaching out to grab tearing sails and overstressed guy ropes. All this should make us think that if we are the body of Christ, how do we make it known to others that God is always there? God always cares. Words of reassurance are rarely enough when disaster strikes, yet a sign of care through the smallest piece of help or inquiring communication can make a world of difference. It could also make us question, what difference does prayer make? God already knows when disaster strikes. He doesn't hear us pray and think, oh, thanks, I hadn't spotted that one yet. Yet, prayer can help us to join with God in care for his creation, rather than just ask him to solve everything for us. Prayer can help us to live in a healthy relationship with God, where we want to be part of his plan, not just helpless observers. Perhaps a more faithful reaction for the disciples would have been to have stayed calm, to show that they now truly knew that whatever happened to them, whether they perished or not, that they would be in God's care forever. Yet how many of us have faith as strong as this? It's really hard when we're desperate for relief from physical or emotional pain. Perhaps we are able to draw comfort from the fact that even though some storms in our lives are unavoidable and reaching the limit 
of our own resources is inevitable, we're left to decide whether we have greater fear of what we must face or greater trust in God and his ultimate plan for our salvation. Even though our faith may sometimes waver, we can be sure that God's love for us never will. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.